The Dave Berta Podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. To hear more amazing Alberta-made podcasts, visit albertapodcastnetwork.com. I'm Dave Cornway, and you're listening to the Dave Berta Podcast. We are recording this episode remotely on May 31st, 2020, and as always, I'm joined by our producer, Adam Rosenhart. Hey, Adam. Hey, Dave. And at, I hear you have a bit of news to share. So what's going on? Yeah. So uh, after two years of a bit of a what was supposed to be a permanent hiatus, I'm reviving my Canadian travel podcast. Uh, it was called The Expats, and it's all about uh, interviewing Canadians who live abroad. And I've renamed it to Canadians Away. So uh, that's going to be available starting June 8th. You can subscribe anywhere, anywhere that or anywhere that pods are cast. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we'll uh, we'll definitely look forward to that. And, and yeah, I encourage everybody to check out uh, check out Adam's podcast. I was a big fan of the expats when you had when you had that on. Uh, so I was totally I was very thrilled to uh, to hear that you had uh, you're rebooting it and uh, and relaunching it. So thanks uh, thanks for that, Adam. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for letting me plug the show. Yeah. Of course. Anytime. And we're thrilled to be joined today by today's guest, Annalise Klingbeil. Welcome Hello. to the podcast. Uh, thanks. And- Thanks for having me. <laughs> Annalise is a co-founder of Champion Communications and PR, and she previously worked as a press secretary for Justice Minister Kathleen Ganley here in Alberta. And before that, she was a journalist at the Calgary Herald. So she's uh, our Calgary-based guest today. So yeah, welcome to the podcast. We're, th- we're thrilled to have you on. Thank you for having me, Dave. So so er- earlier this year, we're just going to jump right into it. Earlier this year, um, Environment and Parks Minister Jason Nixon announced that the Alberta government would be completely or partially immediately closing 20 provincial parks and recreation areas and putting 164 parks on the list for removal from the park system and potential privatization. Now, Nixon also announced the closure of visitor centers, discontinuing popular groomed cross-country ski trails, shortening the operation season for many campgrounds and increasing camping and service fees at all sites. And this was done, this plan was put forward as a plan to save $5 million annually in the Alberta budget. Now, Annalise, I'm, I'm really glad you can join us today because in March, you wrote an excellent op-ed in the Globe and Mail in response to some of these changes proposed by Jason Nixon and the Alberta government that would make drastic changes to the Alberta park system. Can you, can you explain to our listeners some, some you know, talk about, talk about your op-ed and, and what, what inspired you to, to write it and, and maybe some of your experiences with Alberta parks? Yeah, for sure. Happy to. So it's funny. I wrote that uh, kind of beginning mid-March, which feels like decades ago in the scheme of things, um, but was not that long ago. So so basically, I wrote it because this is the topic that I'm passionate about. Uh, I grew up in these parks. It's what I do every weekend. I love camping, hiking, skiing. It's where I spend a lot of time. Um, I had been on CBC talking about it, and then I had done a tweet thread, and then uh, the Globe thing kind of came about, and it was a lovely opportunity to kind of expand on what I think. Um, So in terms of why parks are important, there's a park or protected area within a one hour drive of every single community in Alberta. Um, Most people have probably been to some form of provincial park. The spaces are diverse. So there's 2.8 million hectares. Think about how large Alberta is and how diverse. There's rocky mountains, there's badlands, there's forests, there's grasslands. And then the activities that people do in these parks are also diverse. So people, they can camp, hike, ski, fish, mountain bike, 
they stand up paddleboard, canoe, kayak, snowshoe, walk, picnic, um, just a whole range of things. And so, so for me, my connection to these parks started early. My parents spent a lot of time in them themselves and that, that was important for them and their kids. Um, so I start my, my op-ed in the Globe. It, it talked about um, my first hiking trip. I was two months old. <laughs> my parents had a two-year-old and then me and my twin sister, two months old on their backs. Um, and, and that was my first hiking trip. And that was how I spent my childhood. You know, my parents, we had four kids or they had four kids. We were a family of six and parks were like an easy and accessible thing to do. Um, they couldn't afford to put us in hockey. They would have loved to take us downhill skiing every weekend. But you think a family of six nowadays, when you add up um, rentals and lift tickets and maybe one night in a hotel, that's more than a thousand dollars. So parks are something that they're, they're easy and they're accessible. The barrier to entry is extremely low. And I think my experience in parks are similar to a lot of people. Um, it's true for countless families. So I think uh, all that is to say at the end of the day, these parks are at the heart of who we are as Albertans. And I, I expanded on that in the piece. Um, but there, you know, you think, think when people think about Alberta, they think about the Rocky Mountains and they think about our landscape. They're at the heart of who we are. A lot of people, you know, I get that a lot of people don't spend every weekend outside like I do, but maybe they go once a year for a family reunion or like an annual camping trip and they have fond informative memories in these parks. They're a big, big piece of who we are as Albertans. Yeah, and, and no, that's, that's that, I mean, that's, that's a really, really, those are really great points. And I think that, I mean, these, this is land that is put in trust. I mean, the Alberta government is holding these lands, this, these provincial parks and these provincial recreation areas in trust for Albertans. And I mean, I think that, it, I mean, it seemed like a big, I mean, the, the, the UCP mentioned that they were going to do some, something like this in their, in their election platform. But I think it took a lot of Albertans by surprise because there was no real, consultation that went forward before this was announced. It was just kind of blanket announced that they were, they were removing these parks so they were partially in, and, and immediately closing a number of parks. And then they were putting these other parks, this, this large amount of parks, I think it's about 37% of the provincial parks uh, on this list to be potentially uh, privatized or contracted out to, uh, to third party groups, whether they're private groups, whether they're municipalities, um, which seems, I mean, really counterintuitive when you think about uh, I mean, number one, the role of provincial parks in terms of the of the, the provincial government protecting these lands and conserving conserving these lands, but also when you think about the the uh, the cuts that were being made by the UCP government anyway to municipalities and to a lot of these third party groups anyway, in terms of would I, I don't know how many third party groups or how many municipalities right now would really have the types of resources, and I would you know I, I would be making these types of comments before. The situation with COVID nineteen and and the pandemic and before the international price mm -hmm. of oil plummeted into negative rates, um, so it seems very surprising to me that that something like this hasn't been put on hold uh, because I, I just I I I have a hard time seeing many of these parks being taken over by third party groups that would would be able to do the same take care of them to this at the same level and and introduce the same kind of conservation uh, programs at the same level as uh, as the provincial government would. Well, yeah, and I mean, the $5 million, this is all for a savings of $5 million. $5 million was peanuts before COVID, right? It was a rounding error in this massive budget. Um, I think that's even more true after COVID, right? How many billions have we spent already? $5 million is, 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 is nothing in the scheme of the provincial budget. And I don't think this is about saving $5 million. Um, I think people, I would encourage people to watch what happens with these lands, you know, the ones up for partnership who enter 
enters into those partnerships, who is behind them, what is their connection with this government? Because it's not about $5 million. And I think, um, I think Dave, that's why this is a topic, it, it cuts across party lines. Um, when this was announced, the number of friends and family I have who, who lean conservatively, some of them quite conservative, who were up in arms about this. And their point was like, th this land is for the public good, right? This was set aside from, from politicians before us, conservative politicians like Peter Lougheed, who saw the value in the public good. Um, parks were never designed to turn a profit. That's not what they're about. It's about land and it's about conservation. It's about you know that mental and physical health and connection, which I think is even more important after COVID. It's, it's interesting and you kind of touched on it, like where COVID has fit into this, because I think people were really upset, um, tons of articles, like tons of comments, protests were planned. And then I think uh, COVID kind of started, lockdown started right as that was happening, the protest didn't go ahead. And then now we're kind of emerging two and a half months and people are saying like, if anything, in the past two and a half months, we've we've seen even more how important it is to get outside, to breathe in fresh air, to be connected with nature. It's important for our physical health. It's important for our mental health. And in a summer where we're not going to be able to travel, like what we have in Alberta, which which is areas that people travel from around the world to see, it's going to be all of us enjoying them this summer. So, why do you think the why do you think the government is doing this? That's a good question. Um, I think you'd have to ask that to them. I mean, as I said, I don't think it's about $5 million. It, it simply, that's that's such a small amount in the scheme of their budget. I mean, they branded it as optimizing parks. You've heard people speak out and say that's totally the wrong word. This is destroying parks. Um, I don't I don't know why they're doing it. I, I would say, I think, um, it's not, it's not the right thing to do. And I think people see that. And even if you're someone who is not using these parks every single weekend, you see that. I think when, when you use the term, um, use the term, the, the term that the government has used, optimizing provincial parks. And I, I did a bit of research to look back over the, the history of, of provincial parks and the history of privatization of provincial parks. And you go back to the 1990s, and one of the terms that, that the government of, at the time, Ralph Klein, when Ralph Klein was the premier, one of the terms they used was rationalization. So the, hmm. the, the rationalization of provincial parks. And interestingly, one of, the, one of the, the biggest cheerleaders for the move to rationalize, which was essentially privatized provincial parks back in the early 1990s and mid 1990s was a young uh, Canadian Taxpayers Federation spokesperson by the name of Jason Kenney. So, I mean, that this, this might be something that, uh, that has kind of been a, a bee in their bonnet for, for some time. Um, and seeing, going back and, and, and looking at what Kenny's, you know, Kenny, um, uh, who's now Premier of Alberta, uh, was cheering on back in the 90s and advocating for and looking what's happening now. It's, you can, you, you mean, you can really draw a line. So maybe perhaps this was something that, that, uh, that they'd, uh, they'd thought about for some time. But it is, it, I mean, I think you're, you're right about it. in terms of it crossing party lines and, and crossing demographics and crossing uh, uh, socioeconomic, I mean, provincial parks, protection of provincial parks and protection of provincial of, of, of protected areas really does cross a, a lot of, uh, a lot um, of voting groups in Alberta. And I think in terms of, especially in terms of the con conservation element of it, I think that there's probably, a, uh, I mean, from what I hear from, from my family members who are, are big into sports game, game and sport, sport hunting. I mean, the conservation element is really something that appeals to them. And obviously they like to go camping and they, they, 
you know, they go camping on crown land and, and, but they also go camping in provincial and national parks, but the, the conservation element of it is, is something that's very important. And, and that's something that, that you definitely lose when you, when, that when you remove these parks from the park system. Um, I mean, who knows in terms of, of the types of, of, uh, monitoring that's going to happen with with different third party groups, but if you're complete, when if 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 these parks aren't uh, aren't moved under the jurisdiction of third party groups, they could be reverted to crown land, which is something that the government has said. And once they're removed from crown land, it's also that they're just one step away from being sold and completely being privatized. Um, and we've seen that the government of Alberta has done that, uh, uh, sold swat large swaths of, of of crown land in southern alberta near i think near cartson and Tabor. large in the past they've sold large swaths of crown land up in the peace country and i think that's actually something that that this government has said that they were planning on doing um in order to to generate to generate revenue and and once you once you sell these land uh once you send sell crown land then it's gone it's essentially in private hands and you don't really have control over over what happens to it and and that trust that's been put in the government uh, to handle the, the to take care of this land is 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 gone so it it is quite concerning and I, I think with I mean one of the things I find interesting is this government talks a lot about uh, appealing to international investors and international investment and I mean I think there's a lot of talk that goes along with that um, but I can't imagine how a government that is, going to London, going to New York, and trying to get international investors of big companies to come and invest and move their move their offices to Alberta and invest money in Alberta. I can't imagine how those types of companies will react when they start to see headlines about provincial, you know, large swaths of provincial parks being being privatized. So in some ways, I think it's 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 one of these kind of counterintuitive things or or, or confusing things that this government is doing, talking about you know, an international reputation, but then also doing things that would potentially very much harm Alberta's reputation at the same well, time. Well, absolutely. And I mean, in addition to the headlines, it almost feels like lately it's one thing after another, right? That you saw the international headlines, I think it was last week um, after Sonia, Minister Sonia Savage's comments, um, one thing after another, but there's also the tourism aspect. So uh, in Kenny's budget, and I have it written here, there's mm -hmm. there's a 10-year tourism strategy that aims to double tourism spending in Alberta from 10 billion to 20 billion over the next decade. How do you double the tourism spend when you're cutting down these parks and you have headline after headline from people saying, this is a bad idea? You know, two, two of the things that they're closing, I think it's two, if not three, are visitor centers. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them's the Barrier Lake Visitor Center. So for those not familiar, a visitor center is a place a lot of people stop to go to the bathroom before they keep going um, back in their cars and, and find a place to hang out. But you can go and talk to people and get information. So you can get information on bears in the area, on avalanche conditions on what trails are good for what skill levels like those sorts of things that those people traveling to Alberta you know who save up and come here and spend their hard-earned money here um, for a vacation they need that information uh, and I think I think that's another piece of it is like a lot of the sites that they're closing are these like easy to access they're they're a nice like gateway for those people like your family members who are more comfortable with crown land so for those who don't know who've never ca camped on crown or public land there's no amenities right so there's no outhouses there's no person coming in and taking out your garbage and and there's kind of this like mentality of um 
of you're a grown up, like take care of yourself. But a lot of people don't, right? So there's a lot of people who don't take their shovel and dig a little hole and that's where they go to the bathroom or who don't pack in what they're packing out. Um, if, if you Google crown land in Alberta, one of the first things that shows up is actually from the government's own website. And it says, um, Camping is a popular activity in Alberta, and because of its increasing popularity, along with the growing population, Alberta public lands are experiencing recreational pressures that produce undesirable impacts on land, vegetation, water, and wildlife, as well as increased conflicts between public land users. You can help reduce impacts and conflicts. Public land is a shared resource and a shared responsibility. And I think that's really, really important, is um, the, the, the Crown land, the public land, it's, it's not like you, you need these specific sites where you concentrate impact because then that's better for all of the land, that's better for the wildlife, that's better for the vegetation, that's better for the creeks and the rivers that run through this. So kind of just saying, hey, everyone go camp wherever, I don't think that's a solution at all. And as you said, that's one step away from then selling that off and that land that has been set aside for all of us is no longer our land. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, making, the the ability of provincial parks to have I mean to, to have the visitor centers to provide the information for people who may be visiting for the first time maybe Albertans who are going to provincial parks for the first time having actual campsites I mean we talked to, uh, uh, I talked to, I think I mentioned ca comfort camping which are some of the mm -hmm. campgrounds that are going to be closing I think comfort camping at at uh, Dinosaur Provincial Park or one one of the Drumheller Provincial Parks which is an international internationally renowned I mean removing that. Um, uh, I mean, that having those types of amenities is a first step for a lot of people to to go in and enjoy provincial parks in a, in a way that, you know, they may not be comfortable, they may not have the equipment. Uh, you know, well, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's easy and accessible. I went to, um, I comfort camped last year with a friend who was eight months pregnant. Yeah. And it's like the year before we went on a big four day backpacking trip, but she was eight months pregnant and she didn't want to sleep in a tent and carry, you know, a 40 pound pack for four days. So you, you got to think about like, I've seen that uh, people like grandparents and grandchildren use those comfort camping sites. This is about like all Albertans. This episode of the Dave Berta Podcast is brought to you by InVentures Unbound, the ultimate platform for innovators, investors, and industry to share, inspire, and interconnect virtually. Even in these times of distancing, connection and innovation are more important than ever. InVentures Unbound is brought to you by Alberta Innovates to ensure that innovators have opportunities to connect with ideas, inventors, and industries from within our borders and reaching far beyond. Join the launch of a virtual community with live stream events June 3rd and 4th. The opening keynote is renowned neuroscientist Tali Sherritt, who will speak on how innovators and investors can harness optimism and vastly improve their decision-making skills. Other topics due for a deep dive will include smarter cities, vibrant communities, healthier living, broader thinking, agriculture in the technology age, and innovation of work. And you won't want to miss the all-out live stream pitch battle event. If you have a pass to InVentures 2020, you already have access to all of Unbound's goodies. If you'd like to access just Unbound, there's a pass for that at InVenturesCanada.com. That's I-N-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S Canada.com. This episode of the Dave Berta Podcast is brought to you by The Loop, a new podcast from CBC Edmonton. Host Tara McCarthy of Edmonton AM takes you behind the scenes every week 
sharing the details that don't make it into a typical radio or TV story. There's always more to the story and more to learn about our city, and that's what The Loop is for. You can find The Loop on the CBC Listen app or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find it online at cbc.ca slash Edmonton. I mean, you talk talk about the, the, the tourism strategy, and it does sound like uh, I mean, I guess we'll have to see what happens with the whether the Alberta government revises their these these types of uh, strategies in their in their um, in the upcoming. I think they're doing a, a financial update coming out in June or July, and and we'll you know we'll have to see what you know wh- whether they've rolled this stuff back. But I don't understand. I, I think you're right. I don't particularly understand how these types of these types of strategies, these types of goals, are going to be achieved if you are closing down these types of these types, removing these protected areas, closing down these types of parks. Um, it 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 it's it's all it's all quite puzzling. And and I, I want to just go back to the. Uh, a, a point that we we talked about at at the beginning was was the lack of consultation. And one of the things that really struck me about the lack of consultation was, and I'm I'm sure you you may remember this having been uh, press secretary with the, with the previous government was the Bighorn Wildlife, um, what was it called? The Bighorn Wildlife Provincial Park, uh, Bighorn Wild Wildland Provincial Park, which was a proposed park system that's that's been talked about for decades, I think, in Alberta. Um, but was something that the previous government, the NDP, tried to roll, w- w- began to roll, roll in under Shannon Phillips when she was the Environment and Parks Minister, and that proposed to make a make create a huge, uh, a huge protected area on the, uh, basically between the region between Banff National Park and Jasper National Park, and one of the big. Uh, one of the big criticisms that the UCP raised, though the Wild Rose Party and then the UCP raised, and in particular the local MLA, Jason Nixon, who's now the Environment Parks Minister, was they believed there was a real lack of consultation. Now I know there was there was plenty of consultation that went on. I mean, people may have felt that they weren't being heard, and that's legitimate because we we all know how government consultations work, and and they're not always the most efficient or most effective. But uh, there were open houses that were, were, were held, there were online surveys, there was there was actual consultation. Um, you can talk about that, how it was rolled out, and there's certainly criticisms that go with that, but there didn't seem to be any real consultation with this. It was just plop, here we go, and, th- and that seems to be re- a real uh, characteristic, characteristic of this government. It's, it's their, their justification is, we were elected, it was in our platform, now shut up and accept it, and this is what's happening. And I don't necessarily, I don't really think that's a very healthy way of healthy way of governing it's not 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 a way of uh, of of uniting albertans and bringing people together especially in time when 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 we should be coming together uh during the during the pandemic and during the economic situation it's it's very geared towards division but but reading um uh coverage of of the park of of the park's privatization um there doesn't seem to be i mean the only people i hear cheering this on are uh, or defending it are the government or the political staffers that work for the government. There doesn't seem to be very, very many champions out there who I see who are writing op-eds in the newspapers saying, yeah, we should be, uh, we should be opening this, the parks up to third party groups and privatizing. I mean, aside from the usual suspects, I'm sure the Canadian Taxpayers Federation would lend some, lend some support to this, but those are very much the usual suspects. So, I mean, I guess what you, you've been involved in, you've been involved in, in, in this issue, um, I mean, you wrote your wrote the op-ed. You've been involved online. You've I've heard you heard you on CBC talking about this. What, do you think the government is? Do you, do you think the government is? Re, how do you think the government is reacting to this? 
Well, I think the rollout, I mean, it was, I don't even know if there was a press release, but it was like a Saturday kind of either they posted it online or a press release went out. And I remember that happening and getting texts from several people being like, have you seen this? Like, what is happening? And any of those forms, right, that people who frequent the backcountry are a part of, like, they just blew up instantly. Um, so there, I mean, there's been no consultation. The rollout strategy, there wasn't really a rollout. It, that kind of happened. People started asking questions. And, and um, as you say, the usual suspects were defending it. Um, and I mean, I think... Yeah, I, I I would agree with what you're saying about some of um, what this government has been doing is, hey, we, we got elected, this is what we're doing. I think this issue is a little different because the parks belong to Albertans um, and, and they've been set aside for Albertans. And I think that's a reason why people are so upset about this. And as I've said, you it, it crosses party lines, right? There's, there's I, I know a lot of people who voted conservatives who are like livid about this. Um, so yeah, total a total lack of consultation with the rollout. And then COVID has, I think, kind of it's it's interrupted. You know, I think back. Um, I wasn't with the NDP for very long. I was there for about a year and a half. So Bill Six is when people think of NDP, they often think of that. I was a reporter at the time at the Herald, and I remember going to. Oh, I forget where it was, but it was one of um, kind of the consultation things. Like the minister was there, and then all these angry people oh, protest. It was outside of Calgary, but people showing up with their tractors and just like the visuals and the talking to the people um, who were there, like it was wild. And because of the timing of COVID, we haven't had a chance for that. Media has not had, like, if you look at all the pictures that media is putting with these stories, they're of our beautiful parks, right? They're not of a huge crowd at McDougal with tents behind them holding up signs protesting. Um, so COVID, I think, has really kind of put a hamper on people getting out. I know there is ones planned and they've been they've been cancelled and things have moved online. Um, but I don't think we've seen that, like, headline after headline with, or, or, story after story with those visuals of people upset about it. As you've said, we've seen um, the op-eds, the CBC had another one on Saturday, Edmonton Journal had one. There was ones when this first happened, we've seen the comment sections, we've seen petitions, but we haven't seen that like hundreds, if not thousands of people out um, publicly saying why parks are important to them. So what, what, do, you, what do you think it's gonna take? And do you, do you, think, do you think that's enough? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, the, the optimist in me, which I would classify myself as an optimist. I mean, I would love to see this reversed. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think, I think this is, this is set in stone, and um, I think that's why it's really important that people pay attention to who um, these partnerships go to and who the players behind them are. Mm -hmm. I heard, I saw a comment on Reddit. Um, and obviously, I didn't. I can't fact check this. Fact check this because it was posted on Reddit. But one of the comments on Reddit uh, recently was this. Just this week, someone sent it to me that uh, they were saying that the minister was on a conference call and was encouraging, or someone was encouraging the Safari Club of Red Deer to uh, to get in, and or one of one of something something like some kind of hunting club in Red Deer uh, to uh, to get in and uh, and take over third party uh, third party ownership or third party management of, of one of these parks. So. Uh, I mean, it'll be, it'll be very interesting over the next, uh, well, probably over the next year, but especially over the next few months when the government releases their, uh, the kind of the regulations or the frame, this, the framework that's good, that's going to govern this. 
Um, I think they were, they were initially supposed to release it, I think in April, at the end of March or in April, and then they delayed it to, I think the beginning of June. So we're going to, this is very timely that we're talking about this mm -hmm. because there's going to be, uh, there'll be quite a bit of news that, that comes out, but you're right. It will be very interesting to see what types of groups step up and, uh, and, and take over, uh, or, or offer to take over these, uh, these, uh, these parks, whether they're municipalities or whether they're third party groups. One of the groups that the, um, that the government constantly brings up and constantly mentions as an example as a positive example is the fish creek uh there's a fish creek association or an association that's, that's involved in the fish creek management of the fish creek provincial park um in calgary and that's one that i hear jason kenny talk about he always brings up and jason nixon always brings up but but there doesn't seem to be and i know there are a lot of there are a lot of volunteer groups and volunteer management committees and and uh and community groups who are involved in different different conservation um uh Different conservation initiatives across Alberta. I know. I know specifically with the with the 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 groups that were involved with the Bighorn uh, the area in the Bighorn Wilderness area. Uh, there are a lot of community groups, but the, the, I guess the question is is how many of those groups will have the resources, the financial resources, um, and the ability to actually actually take over management of these groups. Uh, what I fear is many of them will simply won't be taken over or they'll be taken over by by group private groups that uh, that won't have the same types of standards as 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 Alberta Parks um and uh, and we'll see a you know see a downgrading of of uh, of, uh, of parks well especially right now too right like what what groups and yeah. what municipalities have the resources to be able to do that? Um, and, and I get, so in the CBC piece, um, Sarah Palmer, who's director of conservation programs at Yellowstone to Yukon Conservative Initiative, she wrote a piece in the CBC this weekend. And she talks about how these parks, they bring millions of visitors to rural communities every year. Um, she talks about how parks contribute to our economy and provide jobs. Every public dollar spent on parks returns $6 to the economy. She writes, visitors to Alberta's parks spend one point one billion dollars annually and um in 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 these times right like what municipality is gonna be able to step up and take it over and i i think it's it's important to note too like the the different feel that happens so i when i was in junior high my family um drove across canada one summer and camped along the way we didn't stay in hotels or anything and you you stay at some of the provincial and the um, national parks and it, there's like the spots are big and there's forest and it feels like you're in nature and then some of the private ones um it's like a parking lot right so they're they want to fit in as many people the prices are a little bit more than the provincial parks and then there's maybe like a mini golf course for the kids or like a, a little pool or something like that but it's um it's it's a different feel and a different experience than what exists in these uh the sites now which is like in nature right yeah, and, and I mean you raise a good good point that the provincial park system as it exists now is is not for profit so Presumably, if if, if there's some third party groups who would take over, as Jason Nixon proposed, there there you know presumably it would be a for profit model in order to make it sustainable uh, well, for and, some of these groups. Well, ex exactly, and it goes back to that public good, right? Is like these these lands were never designed. Peter Lawhe didn't set aside all this land and say we're going to make tons of money off of it. He set aside land for the public good because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I, I think um, one one of the I was at the uh, last fall. I, I attended the uh, Canadian um, 
the Prairie Political Science Association conference at the Banff Center in, in, in Banff. And I had a really interesting discussion that was talking about, it was a communication, there was a communication session that was hosted by Jared Wesley from the University of Alberta. Um, and we had some really interesting, so there's a, there are communications professionals there from the public sector, from the, the from different, um, uh, different organizations. I was there uh, and it was very interesting because we had, um, uh, had communications uh, folks there from Parks Canada, and then there were communications folks also there from Alberta Parks. And it's very, it was very interesting to talk to both of them because I feel like in Alberta sometimes the we have these. I mean, we have the amazing, amazing park systems both both provincially and nationally. But the in, I think so many times in Alberta, so much in Alberta, <laughs> our national parks kind of. Uh, overshadow the provincial park system. I mean, everybody knows Banff. Everybody knows Jasper. We have Waterton Provincial or Waterton National Park. I mean, closer to Edmonton here, we have Elk Island. Um, so I feel like you know Banff and, and Banff and Lake Louise and, and those areas specifically get a lot of international attention, especially with Calgary having an international airport and being so close. That uh, I mean, even in terms of their branding, uh, the national parks kind of overshadow the provincial parks. So I think that that a lot of Albertans might might not know, you know, they may have been to a provincial park, but they might not know they've been to a provincial park, or they might not, might not immediately recognize that, you know, that a provincial recreation area is a, is part of the park system. So I think that was probably, it's probably part of a, a, a long, long standing, standing issue with, with Alberta parks is, is living under the shadow of these, these beautiful national, you know, some of the, the first, some of the first national parks we've had in this country. Um, so I think immediately that's probably one of, one of the challenges facing, facing Alberta parks. And I think for, for a lot of Alberta, it's it's i mean i think a lot of people would 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 recognize the importance of parks and believe in the importance of parks but but recognizing that you know that that uh, that beautiful space uh you know uh half an hour down the road is actually a provincial park and that's you know that that's the type of thing that's in risk and, and to think about you know what their what the what their quality of life would be without those types of without those types of areas available for free or for you know for a, a, an affordable fee if you want to camp Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I mean, the thing about the national parks, Banff specifically, and I guess this was pre-COVID, the summer will be a bit different, but it's bursting at the seams, right? Mm -hmm. There's there's way more visitors than they have um, space and hotels and rooms for. I remember trying to book a hotel in Jasper um, a couple of years ago, like in August. And oh, yeah, good luck. Possible, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and then a, a campground is even uh, is even harder. So the, the, the national parks, absolutely, there's a reason they're so popular, right? Like people travel from around the world, um, but they're bursting at the seams. And those people who are traveling here to see our beautiful landscapes need somewhere else to stay. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have a favorite provincial park? A favorite? No, I don't like picking favorites. <laughs> that's um, that's a good question. I mean, the the stuff that's in Kananaskis is just like next level, right? And so that's one of the things that um, they're stopping is the the cross country track setting at a couple locations in there. Um, I don't. I I there. I think part of what's so charming about our provincial parks is how diverse they are, right? There's the mountains and then you go down to the area near Drumheller. Um, I camped last year at the Tolman Bridge, which is one of the ones on the list. And it's just like, it's a totally different world. Um, and then you have ones that are like up north that are tons of forest. Like it's the, the fact that they're so diverse and no matter where you go, you're going to get something different. That's part of the charm. 
Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I know I've, I have fond memories of, of when I was a kid. I mean, we obviously went to the national parks, but we, we would go to Carson Pegasus Provincial Park, for example, up north and, and uh, um, uh, campgrounds up near Slave Lake and campgrounds out near, you know, basically out in every direction down in southern Alberta. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of, of, of visits when I was a kid to, you know, uh, to Riding on Stone Provincial Park, to Dinosaur Provincial Park. Um, mm -hmm. I, once did a, I once did a canoe trip down the Milk River south south of Lethbridge and we ended it in in riding on Stone Provincial Park and it was absolutely amazing um, I mean obviously most of the most of the river wasn't wasn't actually in the provincial park but to have a provincial park that you could end and camp on uh, at the end was uh, was was quite quite spectacular um, and I mean every time I every time I've visited a provincial park whether it be in Alberta or British Columbia because I've done quite a bit of camping in in the BC provincial park system which is which is very which is beautiful um i mean i think to myself why aren't we making more provincial parks we should be creating more provincial parks rather than uh, you know rather than uh, rather than removing them from the system because this is truly uh, it is truly a treasure and it's something that once it's gone it's going to take a, a a heck of a lot for for any kind of government to start creating new provincial parks once they're gone Simply because of of what because of the system that, that uh, system that we've created. So once we've lost this, um, we've lost a lot. Well, it, it'll, it'll have, a, have a huge impact on Alberta, and and uh, and it's something that you know that that is in trust for. I mean, for the for the, as you said, people like Peter Lockheed. I mean, you can go all the way back to I think it was it was John Brownlee who was the the first premier the pre premier of Alberta when the park system was created, and and that was created. Uh, you know, for the the, the the specific purpose of of putting this land in trust and conservation and allowing Albertans to to enjoy uh, you know undeveloped land and, and enjoy nature and, and making it easily accessible for people and and uh, I mean I think that that we absolutely definitely need more of that. Well, and I think that I think that speaks exactly to why people are so fussed about this, right? Because it, it can't, it's not like one of these things where it happens and in the future we get someone else in power and, and it's instantly reversed. Like mm -hmm. once this land is gone, we're not getting it back. Um, so I, I think, again, that speaks to why this is something that people are so upset about. If this is an issue that sort of crosses the spectrum of Albertans from conservationists to hunters to recreational types. Isn't this a problem for the UCP when it comes to election time or have they done the calculus and figured out that it isn't? I'll let, I'll let Dave answer that question. I think, I think Dave knows um, more about uh, that than I do, but uh, I'm curious to hear what you think, Dave. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, this is, this is the type of thing that will have a, I mean, it will have a real, I mean, it'll have an impact on quality of life for people across the board. But I mean, these are the types of decisions that will have a real, uh, a real impact on local economies. I'm thinking some of these small rural communities where there are lots of people from internationally and from the big urban centers in, you know, in Calgary and Edmonton who are driving out into the rural areas, going to these beautiful uh, beautiful parks or beautiful recreation areas. They're stopping in the local town. They're stopping in in Barhead. They're stopping in uh, in Slave Lake and and filling up their car and going to get groceries. They're stopping in Lloydminster. Um, these are the I mean a lot of these local economies they really need they they, they really need the of of, uh, of of economic generation that these parks create. 
um, in terms of not even not just businesses, but also in terms of local jobs, in terms of local people working at these parks. So, I mean, I, I would like to say that, you know, there'll be real consequences electorally, but I mean, I guess that that really depends on, on especially in rural Alberta, on the opposition parties getting their act together and actually providing a, a real, uh, uh, you know, concerted legitimate effort, putting together a real concerted legitimate effort in rural Alberta. And I think that's one of the things that in, in a lot of areas of the province that, that the NDP failed to do in the last provincial election. I think there were a number of strong incumbents that the NDP had running for re-election in rural Alberta, but in terms of candidate recruitment and getting good quality local people who people know, uh, that's going to be key um, for, uh, for, I mean, for any political party, but I think specifically for the NDP being in official opposition now and if they want to form government again. Rural Alberta is going to be a tough nut to crack uh, for the NDP anyway, because the UCP has such a huge, uh, had such a huge massive majority. I mean, the margins of victory in some of these rural ridings were huge. Um, but this is, the, this is also the kind of thing, I mean, as, as we've talked about, this, this cross cuts across regional and party lines. And I think that this will, these types of decisions will also have a big impact in the urban in the urban areas. So I think there are probably a lot of Calgarians who are really concerned about this. You know, they may not live in the rural areas, but they may have, you know, they may live in Tyler Shando's riding, or they may live in, um, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a, of a, of a UCP backbencher. Uh, my mind is going blank right now. Uh, but they may, they may live in a, a uh, uh, you know, in a, in a UCP riding, and they may have voted UCP last time. And, and uh, I mean, maybe if they, if they feel passionate enough, this will, you know, this will, uh, this will become a big issue in the next election. I would hope so. Um, but, uh, you know, Alberta is a funny place politically. And, you know, we still have three years to go before the next election. We did a lot of, uh, we did a bit of, uh, when I, we had uh, uh, Zane Velji on the podcast a few weeks ago, we did a bit of, uh, of wild speculation about what it would take to change the, change the government uh, in Alberta. And, and uh, we talked a lot about uh, the rural advantage that, uh, that the UCP has and, uh, and how that's just a huge mountain for any party that, uh, that, uh, that wants to challenge the government has to, has to, has to break or has to climb, I guess, if we can use the mountain uh, analogy. Well, and as you say, three years is a long way away and we've already seen the pace that this government moves at, right? One year yeah. in. So are, are people gonna remember this in three years? I mean, I think back to the beginning of March, that was two, three months yeah. ago, right? That feels like ages ago. So I, uh, I like you, I, I, I would hope that people remember this. I would hope that they speak out about it. I would hope that they get in touch with their MLA. Um, and it is the sort of thing that we're gonna see progress over the next three years. Uh, but they, they're they're doing a lot very quickly with no public consultation. Yeah, and there's a, I mean there's a, there's a there's a kind of defined strategy behind that 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 a lot of government I mean, that basically every government uses is you do your most you make your most controversial changes within the first year. And I think this I mean this the government has been derailed a little bit by by COVID and a little bit by the declining price of oil. But I mean I think that there I I really get the impression that they're using this as I mean not only are they using the 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 current economic and, and health crisis as as cloud cover to push through to continue to push through these changes but they're also i mean they're I, I, what i fear is they're going to use the economic situation to push this even further um so i think it's imperative for i mean albertans who care about provincial parks to get on the phone to call your mla to write letters uh i mean write a letter and then call and call as a follow-up and make sure they got the letter and make sure that that your mlas are hearing you whether whether you're, uh, you know, whether your MLA is a UCP MLA or an NDP MLA, that are, you know, the the members of the legislature need to hear this, but especially the UCP MLAs. So, you know, 
call Jason Nixon's office and uh, and let him know what how you feel about this. I think that's that's very important that they, that they uh, that they know. I mean, people, you know, this government has has been pretty steadfast in terms of, you know, there's only a couple examples of of when when they've backed down. Um, but I think that uh, that you know, if enough Albertans call, if enough Albertans raise this as an issue. Um, this could be something that uh, that they decide to dial back or or stop if uh, if uh, if they receive enough uh, enough enough blowback from Albertans, enough pushback from people who care about provincial parks and and don't want to see provincial parks and recreation areas private eventually you know privatized or or contracted out to groups that that may not be able to provide the same type of quality that the provincial provincial park system does. Well, and as you said, there's been very few things that they've reversed on, but recently that one part of the doctor pay and you you look at the announcement, right? It was the backbench rural MLAs standing beside the health minister. And I think yeah. it's, uh, as you say, it's super important. People get in touch with their MLA and, and the rural people get in touch with their, their MLAs and people in Calgary get in touch with their MLAs. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So do, do you have anything else to add? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I would encourage people to get outside. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I mean, it's so important for physical health, for mental health. I mean, an aspect we haven't even talked about is like, what, what are the health savings? You know, we're doing this cutting 5 million. What are the health savings of having a population that is physically active, that is, is you know, helping their mental health by being out there and being connected to nature? I think for a lot of people, that connection to the outdoors, it's spiritual almost, you know? I have friends who call the mountains their church, right? That's where they go every weekend and that's where they feel most like themselves. Um, and, and there's people who travel, like I was skiing before kind of everything uh, in the backcountry shut down this year. I was skiing with a couple who live, or lived in Toronto, have moved here. Their family's like, what are you still doing in Calgary? And they're like, this is the best kept secret in Canada. They're like, we can one, afford to buy a house here. And two, we can get in our car and an hour later, we have like some of the best skiing in the world. Um, so I, I, I would just encourage people like get outside. I know we've been talking a lot about camping, um, but that's not like you can go have a picnic at these sites in the winter. You can put on some snowshoes. Uh, you can walk around like we're so lucky to have these places in Alberta. So get out and use them. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Talking about when you talk about I mean, we talk a lot about summer camping. We talk a lot about, you know, the summer months when when a lot of these parks have, you know, a lot of people go to the parks. but but encouraging uh, outdoor activity and outdoor sports during the winter is huge because we, you know, we do live in a winter province where, where it is, we do have snow on the ground for probably, if not the majority, close to the majority of the, the longest stretch of the year. Uh, and, and having these types of, of parks to where people can go out. And as you said, they, you can ski or you can snowshoe, you can rent skis, you can rent, uh, you know, cross country skis, you can rent snowshoes, you can go out and enjoy, uh, enjoy the winter. I think that, that that's really important for, I mean, for health and for, for the for people's mental well-being, mental health as well, in terms of getting out and and not being cooped up inside during the winter, and and embracing what we are, which is a northern, you know, uh, and my, our our listeners who are way up north. I know I had one listener in, in Yellowknife once uh, mm -hmm. who was uh, who disputed us calling uh, Alberta uh, the north because they call it, the <laughs> south, but. but uh, uh, I mean, I, I consider us pretty far north because we get a heck of a lot of snow, <laughs> heck of a lot of snow, and it's pretty cold in the winter. So, and uh, and we and you know we should embrace that. And I think we've seen uh, a real, at least in the urban areas over the past number of years, I think we've seen a real uh, resurgence uh, or the emergence of of winter festivals where there's tens of thousands of people getting out. And I would really like to see you know a lot of people get more more people get out and not just go. 
not just take up the kind of more expensive um, sports like downhill, like alpine skiing, downhill skiing, uh, which you know is not not necessarily accessible to everybody, but going out and enjoying the areas and going skating and going uh, going cross country skiing and snowshoeing where you know where they can and and I can't think of anywhere better than provincial parks to uh, to do that or where you know where we could where we could do that in this province. Well, absolutely, it's funny. Um... I was having a really great ski season. I love winter, like big skier, cross country, backcountry touring, downhill. I was having like the best ski season this year. Um, literally like the day before kind of everything got shut down had been at Castle Mountain. It was just like oh, so much powder, so good. And then I remember in March talking to friends and being like, after a couple of weeks of not skiing, I'm like, is this why people hate winter? Like, no, no wonder people hate winter if you can't get outside and enjoy the snow. Like, winter really sucks. Uh, so, yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's all seasons. We should embrace all seasons and uh, get outside and, and uh, breathe in the fresh air and have fun. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks again to our producer, Adam Rosenhardt, for making this podcast sound so good. Happy Thank to help. Yeah, great. Thanks for the uh, to the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATV, for supporting the show, and thank you so much for uh, to Annalise for joining us to talk about uh, the provincial parks, the wonderful provincial parks we have in this province, and and the current situation with parks. You can you can follow her on Twitter at uh, Annalise Annalise AK, I think is what what it is. So and and we'll have a link to her um, her Globe and Mail op-ed on the website. So I do I do encourage you to read that. So thank you so much, Annalise, for joining us. Um, send your feedback or ask any questions you have for our next episode. You can get us on Twitter and Instagram at, at DaveBerta or on the DaveBerta Facebook page, or you can email us at podcast at DaveBerta.ca. Also, feel free to, to, uh, to leave a review if you've enjoyed this. We like five-star rating. We really enjoy it and appreciate your reviews. Um, again, wash your hands. Uh, don't touch your face. If you're sick, stay home. But if, if you're not, get outside and enjoy the beautiful weather outside. Uh, go to a provincial park if you can while they're still open. Uh, stay safe, and thank you very much for listening. <laughs> <laughs>